0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I'm with the one and only Alex. How are you doing, Alex? Joe, it's... Good to be back where we originally met each other, not (laughs)
1: seeing each other in person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In case you haven't heard yet, uh, Alex and I met for the first time. We've been doing this podcast since 2011, and we met for the first time at Sean Terry's Flip to Freedom event. That was, uh, it was good, good to shake your hand finally, Joe. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like we'd never met before, but it seemed like we've known each other for a long time because we have. Yeah. Absolutely. But it was just, it was fun talking and hanging out and, uh, We've got to do that again sometime, do another event like that. Yes. But um, I'm excited about today's podcast. We've got a guy that I've been following for years, Bill Bronchick. Um, Alex, you've heard of Bill before, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. I've seen um,
1: – uh, I, I believe he's an attorney, so I've seen a lot of his different uh, uh, information that he's put out there with regards to uh, like protecting your
0: assets. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, protecting yourself in a deal and those kind of things. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about creative financing and stuff like that. But, uh, real quick, Alex, um, you got any deals you're working on right now? Uh, yeah, I always got some deals. Uh, we're
1: in my, uh, virtual market. Uh, we're closing out, uh, I think, uh, three this month. So one of them, uh, I'm, our, my split not included, but uh, I believe we've got one for uh, twenty we've got another one for seventy and another one for ten, so about a hundred thousand, so not bad um good and uh i we don't have a lot of time I know to talk about deals, but i I've, I've got another deal that i'm closing locally, and uh believe it or not, when I went to close it, a, a list pendants popped up on title. <laughs> Oh, really? So, yeah. So somebody, and that's kind of funny. We could probably talk to that about, uh, to, to Bill here. But um, I bought the property, and by the time that we went to closing from Friday, over the weekend, or right in between that time, this list penance got into the stack. So when they went to, uh, when they insured me the first time, it didn't show up. On the flip side out, now we have to deal with it. Although I do have insurance and I'm covered, it still is a pain in the neck
0: to have to deal with. Interesting. So what are you going to do? Probably,
1: well, right now it's, it is it is an open case that's going on right now. Um, but I am in contact with the people who have the list penance. And I am in contact with the attorney and all that. And we're trying to amiably come up with a solution without having to get a bunch of uh, mess involved And I know the title company, without them having to go make a claim against their own title um, or or against their own E&O, which is errors and omissions insurance, they're willing to come out of pocket some to help uh, cover the difference. So
0: we will see. Just so everybody knows, define what a list list pendants is. Okay. So a
1: list pendants stands for lawsuit pending. (laughs) That's what that means in uh, legal terms, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Bronchik could uh, confirm that. And basically, they had a memor- memorandum of contract as well as a list pendants. They, all, they put it all out there. So um, what's, based- what's the lawsuit for? Well, they're saying that it's, it would be called specific performance. So they're saying that this seller did not honor his contract. Before- so basically what happened is this seller had a contract with these people, Oh, Called okay. him up the next day, and he's like, "No, I don't want to do this deal. I'm out. Cancel it." And then they went and filed a memorandum contract and list pendants. You know, seller thinks he's good because he just said that,
0: and uh, well, come to find out, are you are you being accused of going around someone else's back? Oh no, or?
1: no, it's not like that at all.
0: Okay, because I had no idea. <laughs> well, then the did uh, the, 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 those original buyers record their contract?
1: Yeah, that's the memorandum of
0: contract. But they did they record it before you put it under contract yourself? Well, no, because
1: what happened was it got recorded right when the closing documents on my side. Oh, I were see. Recorded. And you've not recorded your contract either. No, I didn't record my contract. No. But my deed is recorded.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to Bill about that in just a minute. Yeah i got to tell you, though, I'm excited. I've been doing these land flips. We've talked about it before. I just totaled up the numbers. we got about $70,000 right now in profits on the books um, for these land deals. It's crazy. I know Bill is in Colorado. I'd I'd like to ask you, Bill, in a minute here if you flip any land. But uh, we're flipping some land uh, in the middle of nowhere, south Colorado, (laughs) and uh, also in Oregon and um we're sending just we're sending these blind offers, getting them accepted at fifteen cents on the dollar. There's a lot of due diligence involved. It's not like there's just it's it's I wasn't expecting the amount of due diligence like when you're dealing with these counties that have these records that aren't necessarily um modernized or you know like easy to get. And you've got these family members that are living all across the country, and you have to get all kinds of signatures and death certificates and marriage certificates and birth certificates to kind of prove it because we're doing all the title work ourselves. These are deals we're buying for like anywhere from four to ten thousand dollars, and it's just not worth paying a title company to do all of that stuff um but maybe it is actually now that we're looking at all this work that's involved, but it's pretty cool, and then we're doing some houses too, just um a few deals. Here and there, I got a, I should be getting a check any day now for five grand. My wholesaler is actually going to be um, keeping the deal, but uh, it's such a good deal. He's going to pay me what I would have gotten as my half of a wholesaling fee. There you go. Uh, which is nice. Not, yeah.
2: Not bad at all.
0: But let's get on to this uh, podcast with Bill. Bill Bronchick from... Bill, are you in Denver, Colorado?
2: Denver, Colorado. Yes, I am.
0: Beautiful. Love Colorado. And uh, how are you doing, sir?
2: I am doing fantastic, thank you. And oh. I appreciate the invite uh, to chat with you guys and uh, have the benefit of that for your listeners.
0: Well, it's—I've uh, been wanting to get you on for a long time, and uh, I'm glad you're on the show and glad you are uh, uh, said yes to be on the show. Bill, you've been—you've been, you've been uh, investing in real estate for a long time. Your mother, mm-hmm. uh, Phyllis. She's mm-hmm. actually leads one of the biggest uh, RIA's real estate investment clubs in the United States, most active, been mm-hmm. around for the longest time in L.A., and right. I'm actually speaking there um, next week.
2: Oh, wow. Be, that's, that's fantastic.
0: Which would be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But she's a really, really nice lady, and I, I was floored when I found out uh,
2: she was your mother. <laughs> Yeah, chip off the old box. She's <laughs> as tough as nails, and uh, you know she's all five foot two, but she would scare a six foot five contractor out of his pants. So wow! You, I mean, she—I know it's really
0: you have to be real careful about talking about age, but I mean, you must be in your twenties or something. Nah, no? we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a real neat lady, and uh, I, I've, I've, this is the second time I've been out there, and I'm looking forward to going. <laughs> It'll Great. be good. Um Bill, how did you get started in real estate? What's your what's your background?
2: Well, my mom as, as you mentioned was in real estate investing. Uh she was a commercial broker um back in the 80s uh when she when basically uh they uh emptied the nest so to speak with all our my siblings moved down to Florida from New York where we grew up. And you know, That she explains to a it. That yeah, expl- she was a, had a career, and well basically the, the the formula I had five brothers and sisters, so we lived in a huge house, and they didn't want us moving back in, so they moved out of there and moved into a two bedroom condo in Florida. <laughs> so no. they couldn't move back in <laughs>
0: no, I was going to say like the whole New York thing that I, I understand yeah. now, okay,
2: good. now you get it now, right, <laughs> so um they were living in Florida, and my mom became a commercial real estate broker, and just you know was kind of happy, but you know stumbled upon a real estate investing seminar and she she dragged me into it i was visiting in florida at the time and she was at the last day of it um and i it was actually a really good seminar it was a seminar about buying foreclosures and stuff like that it was a guy by the name of bill mccorkle does that ring any bells no Uh-oh. i've heard he, that i
0: think he, he went to jail ago, by
2: the way though. oh <laughs> he was actually a decent guy and gave a good seminar then he went off his rocker and did some you know t v infomercial where he's in on a plane that's not his and a boat that's not his, and you know Whoa. he just he, he went to the dark side and ended up going to jail uh, oh. but, uh, it it piqued my interest it really did um and the seminar was actually really good um and i and i it was practicing law at that time for a couple of years and i I just really uh got the got the bug What year so was I that? went out you know that was 1991, okay. and um, so I was uh, living in New York at the time, and I went out and knocking on doors on foreclosures, you know, doing what they said in the seminar, and, um, and I did my first deal. It was great. I, now, I had a mailman you were, find me a deal, and uh, it was great. You were an attorney, and you were going out and mm-hmm. knocking on doors. Sure. Why not?
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Well, my assistant wasn't going to do it, so.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> and these Why were, not? I just got were... the foreclosure
2: list and knocked on doors. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Does anybody do that anymore? By the way. Knock yeah, on doors. Yeah, People do that. People Absolutely. do that. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely, that's a good thing. That you can't. Uh, I always tell people in foreclosure investing, don't even bother unless you are going to knock on doors. Everyone gets a hundred letters when they're in foreclosure. You know, you can't stand out. Wow. Okay. Unless you send me Maybe if you send a stripogram or something, I don't know, but <laughs> hard to get their attention. So you got to knock on doors. Yeah. I've never tried that. Okay. Yeah, And surprisingly, you know, few people do it, you know, they they get a hundred letters, but maybe two people knock on their door because they, most people don't have the time or the guts. They think that they're going to get yelled at or thrown out, but most people are pretty nice. You know, when you, if you handle it, right. Sure. Okay. Um. Um,
0: you know, I was just thinking about Sean Terry, w- one of our friends, um, got started knocking on doors. A lot of you guys mm-hmm. have heard that story, but um, so why why did you get your? What, what, why were you an attorney? Like, what made you decide to go that route?
2: Well, when I got out of college it was nineteen eighty seven. I uh, economics major. I was going to work on Wall Street, and then the market crashed. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad who was an attorney uh and my brother who's an attorney, you know, they were just working together and they said, Hey, go to law school and then you know, dad's gonna retire and you could, you know, take the practice with your brother. Well, I did that and by the time I was done with law school, my brother ran the business into the ground. He really didn't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> so wow. he just kind of let it go. And then now I'm stuck. I got nothing to do and I'm, and I went out on my own. I hung out a shingle, did my own thing. And, and as soon as I got the real estate bug, I said, wait a minute, this is much more fun than practicing law, especially after I did my first closing. I, I, I really got it because I was sitting around the table and there's all these people and there's like, you know, brokers and mortgage brokers and sellers and everyone. And I didn't know what the heck is going on, I'd never been to a closing, that. I never learned that in real in uh, law school, and uh, they started passing checks around, and everybody got a check, and mine was the smallest. Yeah. <laughs> so With something wrong, I'm the most educated guy in the room, why is my check the smallest? Because I'm on the wrong side of the table, that's why.
0: Wow, okay. So,
2: I got the bug, and then I, uh, a couple years after that, I moved to Denver, Colorado, and uh, just hit it real hard, and uh, never looked back. Do you still practice law,
0: quote-unquote, or are I you... Do.
2: Okay. Now what does that mean? I do. Yeah. Practice law. Yeah. So I have uh, like three or four things that I do. I specialize in. I do some uh, commercial and residential real estate representation and creative transactions and stuff. Uh, I do estate planning, asset protection planning, and I set up self-directed IRAs for clients. And that's pretty much all I do. And, and that's probably about these days it switches back and forth. There'll probably be forty percent of what I do my time. And then uh, there's another portion of my time where I you know, I write books, I travel speaking or do seminars, um, and then I have my own properties that I have to deal with, you know, my own investing. So you're busy. Yeah, and I have a band too. I play on weekends. Oh, so. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I get paid so I'm a professional. <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. What kind of what kind of music do you play?
2: Uh, you know, classic rock, you know, stuff from the sixties and seventies. The good stuff. stuff,
0: the good stuff.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, you're doing some deals on your own. Talk about, uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, you're doing a fix and flip right now.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah. Just a boring fix and flip I'm doing right now. Uh, the market is real hot in Denver. And so, uh, got a, you know, reasonable middle class home and, uh, I have my contractor out there you know, clean it up just to put in the finishing touches to get it ready, put it on the market. And you know, hopefully I should net probably between 45 and 50. Nice. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Are you, um, actively marketing for
0: deals right now, or are you taking seller calls going on appointments or how are you finding your deals? No,
2: not anymore. I mean, when I first got started, I did all of that. i knocked on doors. I did mailers. I called ads in the paper before there was Craigslist. Um, and most of the time these days, you know, I have, because I'm fairly prolific in my market uh, as an attorney, as an investor, and I do seminars, most of that brings me deals. People bring me deals.
0: Nice. Okay, good, yeah. good. And you're self-directed. And by the way, Alex, I'm sorry if I'm hogging the phone. No, that's okay. You can, can you- yeah, interrupt me anytime you want to ask questions. Your self-directed IRA stuff, Bill, are you doing that yourself? like, Or do you have uh, another custodian you kind of do that with, or are you
2: the custodian yourself? No, we're not a custodian. We work through two or three custodians, and we help people roll it over, self-direct it, and then we do what's called the checkbook IRA, which if you're not familiar with is we put the account into an LLC that you're the manager of and now you can have control over the funds. So you don't have to go through your custodian for every transaction. Uh you use the LLC to buy and sell properties or rent properties and you can write checks in and out. Uh and and of course the fees are a lot cheaper because you're not paying a fee for every transaction. So yeah. it's a re- it's a real nice setup. We've set up probably uh, last year we probably set up 200 of those clients we've been doing it for about six years and i've been doing it personally for about 10 nice and done a real good job in my i've got a bunch of properties in my ira and my wife's ira actually i have two and she has one so we we combine those into an llc and then go out and buy rentals and does real well wow okay
0: good yeah um and you also help people with asset protection so what does that mean mm-hmm. how how do you, how do you guys that's do just,
2: Protecting people's assets from things like lawsuits and taxes and divorce and, you know, state taxes and all kinds of other ambulance-chasing nonsense that might come their way. Okay. Very, very good. You know, to good. Say, the, the, the more you climb the flagpole, the more you show your assets. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: that's You know, that's that's frustrating to <laughs> me, though, because it's true, and it seems like you know the the saying goes you know if you haven't been sued yet or at least threatened to be sued you haven't done enough deals
2: oh of course you have if if you have customers or employees you're going to get sued and customers in our business the sellers, buyers, tenants, brokers, and so forth. Um, and, um, you know, if we have employees or a property manager or an agent that works on your behalf, every stupid thing they do, you're going to get sued for. And if you have a partner, every stupid thing they do. And even if you do everything right, someone's just going to be, you know, looking at you as a target.
0: Oh, that's frustrating to me. My dad owns a cleaning business in Iowa and, um, You know, he cleans toilets for a living, but he's very successful with it. He's got 50, 60 employees, one of the biggest, if not the biggest cleaning Mm -hmm. company in Iowa. And uh, he's got um, an office, you know, and and, um, Mm -hmm. he's in his 60s, mid-60s. Just recently, Mm -hmm. um, he let somebody go because they just weren't performing. They weren't doing Mm -hmm. a good job. And like six months later, the guy sued my dad. For um, claiming discrimination because he was um, uh, gay, I guess I can say that. <laughs> and uh, and to, my, my I'm d- laughing because
2: that happened to me too. The same, except the, the gal was pregnant, so she claimed we discriminated against her sex.
0: Well, my dad had no idea, and even if he did, he wouldn't have fired him. Um, mm-hmm. But then my dad had to settle the completely baseless right. lawsuit. And of he had—he settled for ninety thousand dollars. My dad had to pay Ouch. this guy ninety grand.
2: Ouch! Wow. Ouch! And that's—that's that's the problem because if they sue you and you win, you still lose because you had to pay your attorney to defend yourself. Oh. It, yeah. It's unfortunate. It's a cost of doing business.
0: <laughs> and that's frustrating. I—I've been involved with one lawsuit that we settled and two potential lawsuits that we. Um, we we resolved before it ever got ugly. But, Bill, what would you say... I mean, this is a two-hour-long subject, you know, but what would you say to somebody out there who um, wants to protect themselves as best as possible from lawsuits?
2: Well, uh... One of the first things you want to do is is make sure you have enough insurance. Um, insurance provides you with a free lawyer to defend stupid claims since most yeah. claims get settled you know you get you got the lawyer fee covered so the very first thing is make sure you 're properly insured, and most people don't even know what they're insured for you know I ask people in a seminar you know what's what's your your liability limits on your rental properties and people look at me and go uh one hundred three hundred four they have no idea. And for most people it's about 300 grand, and that's not nearly enough. I mean you get, someone dies in a rental property or gets, you know, burned by a fire, you're gonna be looking at a million plus jury verdicts. So you gotta have at least a million and then have an umbrella on top of that, maybe a million, five, two million. Um and even if the you know even if that never gets used uh you still get the free lawyer you know on the frivolous cases and that's important and once getting past that you got to make sure that you have proper entity structuring um and most of it is uh you know it, it's tax issues which entity you use an llc a corporation so forth yeah. um but uh, you got to make sure you meet with an attorney who's who's got the proper knowledge and uh, and uh, experience to to set you up so that you're protected.
0: Now, you said insurance for um, lawsuits. Are you talking mm-hmm. about the? Um, it's not called prepaid legal anymore. Um, mm-hmm. um, if they, what's no, the name no, of it? No, now? no, no
2: regular insurance. I know what you're saying. A regular insurance like liability insurance on your properties. Okay. Okay. If you have rentals and so forth. Uh if you're a contractor or you're doing building properties then you'd have, you know, that type of uh builder's risk policy. Um, in addition to that, a prepaid legal type thing and I can't remember the name of the company that it converted to, but um yeah, I mean it doesn't hurt. Uh, it, it's the problem with those services; they're generally a big law firm, but the lowest guy in the totem pole who doesn't know squat. Um, yeah. So they're good for writing a threatening letter or answering an easy question, but they're n- you know they're not going to represent you in a lawsuit for thirty five dollars a month. <laughs> it's just not right. Reality.
0: <laughs> Darn. Um, <laughs> no. So um, so you're talking about like maybe commercial umbrella liability. Insurance, right right, which isn't cheap,
2: is it? it can be that can get expensive um, no, not too bad uh, If your primary policy on the house, let's say is a is a million or a half a million, then above that is cheap because most cases are settled less than that, so um, for example, my, my umbrella for all my properties it's about nine hundred bucks a year, 1100 dollars oh, a year more okay it's not a lot no, because my primary policies are a million. Okay. So that next million is, is, is pretty cheap. Can you give us just a
1: quick, basic, general um, framework of the way you work those insurances? So you have, you know, you have these policies and then the umbrella goes over this and so forth and right. so on. Right.
2: Well, I have every property in a separate trust, which has its own, poli- its own insurance policy for that property, which is a uh, million dollars. Now you're talking long term or short term? Long-term. long-term long-term rentals rental properties um those have a million dollars each in liability and then the entity that owns that you know group of properties has a policy uh of another million okay
1: so you have a separate entity for each property
2: not no every i have groups of property. i group them into you know two or three or four into groups Okay, gotcha. Now, Bill, does that insurance
0: cover your legal fees if you have to fight a lawsuit?
2: Yes. It does. uh, If it's covered, that's the whole thing. So if someone slips and falls, it's covered. If someone claims discrimination, that's not covered. Just like with your dad. You know, discrimination claims are an intentional act and therefore never covered by insurance. So how do you protect yourself from that stuff? Well, uh, a series of layers of entities and uh, cross your fingers. Well, that just, <laughs> that just
0: protects your personal assets.
2: I mean, that's not going to... Right. No, it's not going to stop lawsuits. I mean, lawsuits will always happen. I mean, anyone could sue you in America for anything they want to. Um, but the question is, is what are they going to get? Or they're going to win first of all, and what are they going to get if they win? Uh, and if you're properly set up, they won't get anything. And so as soon as the attorney threatens, you just call them up and say, "Listen, I'll just lay it all out for you. This is how I'm set up. Good luck." But and you they'll know, probably go away.
0: Yeah, but if there's, you know, if there's no merit, they're going to lay, they're going to lame you you personally mm-hmm. and your LLC right. in the lawsuit, right. right? Of course. So aren't they going to try to sue you in your personal name? And does it matter
2: what's done in your LLC or not? It's they'll try, but in most cases, um, it, it, it won't end up in personal liability. It'll be dismissed against the individual because I, I don't manage my properties. I have a property manager, so okay. there's you know it's really hard to pull me in personally for a suit like that because I don't do anything. So what could I be liable for unless unless they can prove I colluded with my property manager? Said, listen, these properties don't rent them to X. Ex- type of people, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> of course, which yeah. I never do. But, you know, well, that that uh, also helps
0: you protect you a little bit because there's that layer of separation right. and the, uh, the the property manager has uh, errors and omissions. Has and their
2: so. own insurance. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like having a property manager. It's, it's two steps removed from the tenant and for liability, there's just another person they can go after and another insurance policy.
0: That's a great uh, piece of advice. And if you're managing yeah. your own properties... Maybe you should consider getting your realtor's license and managing them under a property management licensed mm-hmm. company
2: yeah. with its you own Yeah, you can do areas. it under a property management company of your own, but you don't need to be necessarily licensed in most states to do that because you're managing your own properties. Okay, right. But you can't. So if that, entity is, if that entity is, let's say, the manager of your LLC, then it's fine.
0: Okay. But you manage the property as a property manager. You can get your own errors and omissions insurance. I, I imagine. True. Right? True. True. If
2: so you're a licensed real estate broker, right?
0: Let, let's just talk about regular wholesalers. I mean, the guys mm-hmm. like like us who uh, wholesale deals. Um, you never know what can happen. I mean, you you flip a deal and the end buyer buys it and and sues you. F- because you, they claim you didn't r- disclose everything or something,
2: right? You, you know, it's amazing. I never thought that could happen because my assignment agreement, when I wholesale, used to say, "For X dollars, I assign my contract to you, and that's it." Yeah. Um, and then within the last two years, I've had three clients say I'd been sued or threatened to be sued by the end buyer another investor who I wholesaled to for failing to disclose X. And, and I was really surprised. I figured, you know, aren't these adults? They yeah. you know what they're getting into. They're supposed to do their own due diligence. But, you know, in today's society, everyone wants to point their finger at somebody else. And, and, and therefore, um, I, I amended my assignment agreement to be about three pages of, you know, every different <laughs> way in nine different languages as is, you know. Wow. wow.
0: <laughs> and that, you know, doesn't, that's not going to prevent you from getting sued, but it's going to
2: help, isn't it? It's going to really help because that disclosure covers every possibility. You know, I'm just disclaiming everything as is, and I don't make any representations about the house, about the neighborhood, about you know, the condition, about how much repairs, what it will sell for. You know, I just go through everything.
0: You know, one of the things that um, a guy named Michael Quarles recommended, and mm-hmm. uh, he's from YellowLetters.com. He has his own podcast. Mm-hmm. Good guy from California. Mm-hmm. Um, he every deal that he gets under contract, um, he has his attorney. Send that seller a letter saying mm-hmm. from the law offices of, you know, big bold at the top, hey, congratulations on, you know, entering into this contract uh, with with um, with Michael to buy this property. I just want you to let you know I'm the attorney handling this transaction. And um, if there's any problems. So it's a friendly letter, but it's coming from mm-hmm. an attorney, which sets the tone that says, listen, this is, this is a legal contract and you're going to be expected mm-hmm. to fulfill it and, and uh, maybe summarizing some of the important points in that letter. Right. Maybe it would be a good idea as wholesalers if we did that more frequently with our buyers mm-hmm. and our sellers maybe. Just have our attorney send them a letter saying, hey, thanks. You know, If you've got any questions, I'm representing this guy. Uh, let me know right. maybe,
2: right? It's not a bad idea, especially if you make the letter self-serving. Sure. So, like as you well know, we have a uh, a binding contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't say later what contract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, maybe so just the letter could be self-serving in some way. Exactly. That's my point. And
0: and maybe just summarize the main points of the yeah. of the co- contract. Um, and Couldn't it, it, hurt. But um, yeah, I, I hope that what we were just saying there doesn't scare people away from wanting no. to do real estate because. The def- definitely the benefits far outweigh the costs in this business.
2: Yeah. And, and just the point is, if you don't know what you're doing, seek the advice of a professional. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And and usually you're in front of a judge and they're telling you what you don't know, what you don't know. Uh, so don't wait for that. Seek the advice of experienced professionals who can you know, sit you down and tell you like the nine things that you don't want to do. Not to scare you, but just to avoid the pitfalls that other people have made.
0: Yeah. Very good. And I know a lot of you guys are listening to this or thinking, well, how do I get a hold of, of Bill? I want to ask him some questions. Uh, we'll give you Bill's uh, contact. We'll give you his cell phone number in here in just a minute. I'm just yeah, yeah,
2: free! <laughs> no. <laughs> no charge.
0: We'll give you his website here in a little bit. Um, Bill, can we ask you some questions about creative financing? Shoot. Absolutely. Um, you're, you've been kind of well known uh, in the industry, You you have some courses out there. You still teach on creative financing like it's, go ahead, yeah. It's
2: my favorite topic. Yeah, it's my favorite topic.
0: Good. That's awesome. I mean it's it's refreshing yeah. to hear an attorney who understands real estate investing um yeah. be open to the idea of creative financing stuff.
2: Well, that's because I'm also an investor. Most attorneys you go to will give you just enough advice to prevent them from being sued by you for malpractice.
0: Which which usually that <laughs> advice right, right. And that advice usually is, well, I've never heard of that before. Don't do it. Don't yeah, do don't
2: it. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, and that's not—I don't think that's—that's that's serving the client well. I'll tell my client if you do it this way, this is what can happen, and if you do it this way, this is what can happen. And as long as you—you know—you acknowledge the risks, have fun. Okay. So let me run down a list of things, and and you just
0: tell me, mm-hmm. uh, you tell us like yay or nay. Um, okay. Subject twos.
2: Yep. In a trust? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Depends on how you do it in a trust. Um, Typically, we do buy it in a trust uh and that's not so much related to the subject too but more for uh the protection of of ourselves as as investors um, i know a lot of people do this little routine where they it's like joe smith seller so they put it into the joe smith family trust and then they assign the beneficial interest in that trust from joe smith to the investor um, and in that and I know the idea is to you know, so people still think it's Joe Smith's property, yeah. which it's not. Um, I think that can create more problems than it than it than it uh, than it solves. And you know, I think what people are worried about is the lender enforcing the acceleration due on sale clause, um, which is not an issue. It's a non-issue. But if you do that, I, if I was their attorney, the bank's attorney, I'd argue that you're deliberately deceiving us by sure. doing that. Oh. Um, so if you just do it, you know, just transfer it, seller to you know whatever trust, um, and then it's your trust and it's fine. And the problem is, is Mr. Smith may be confused and think, well, that's my trust, and come back later with an attorney.
0: Mm. See there, there you go, Alex. I should have know, known better to ask a yay or a
2: nay question
0: to
1: an attorney. <laughs>
2: that's
0: that's
1: a that's a good one. I mean, because they could yeah. come back and say that's oh, yeah, my trust. yeah. Okay, I've done let
2: me, so many subject twos, and I've seen so many wrong things done that I. I mean, I could spend the next three podcasts telling me about it.
0: Well, I want to ask you some more questions about that, but let me yeah. let me continue mm-hmm. on my list. Uh, lease yeah. options, sure. Owner financing, sure. Um, short sales,
2: mm-hmm. sure. Um, I hesitated there because they're a pain, <laughs> yeah. but sure.
0: Uh, short sales in a trust
2: um i generally not because it's a liability issue but i think everyone um gets a little confused and suspicious in my experience so if you're going to buy from a seller and do a short uh and the buyer is a trust the lender is really looking at that trust hard because they want to make sure that the owners of that trust are not the seller and his family okay so when you use an llc they don't seem to care as much
0: yeah it's interesting Um, wholesaling without a license.
2: If you do it right, sure.
0: (laughs) Am I missing anything, Alex? What else is there? Uh, well, Uh, look, I want to talk about two main things because we're running out of time. I got 15 minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe we could we can talk you into a second interview, Bill. Would you be open to that?
2: Sure. My hourly rate is... No, just kidding. Nah. <laughs> Never mind. That. Never mind. You're a busy gentleman. But just think, if you pay the hourly rate, everybody else gets it for free on your list. So it comes out to about a nickel a person. Uh,
0: <laughs> all right. We'll cut, we got 15 minutes left. Um, okay. su- subject twos. Um, mm-hmm. You take over the mortgage, and mm-hmm. you turn around and you sell it on a wrap or or maybe mm-hmm. you lease option it out. Um right. you can still
2: do lease options today. Yeah, of course. The the only state that you can't really do them much is Texas. Texas, because Texas pretty much all, almost outlawed it. Basically, they they say if you're going to do that, uh, you got to tell the underlying lender what you're doing, which they'll never get permission. So effectively outlawed lease options in Texas.
0: Okay. Um, the subject twos, do you do mm-hmm. you still do them yourself, or how do you? Oh yeah. Absolutely. I do myself, and I close
2: them for clients all the time. Anywhere in the country? No, I okay. can't do that anywhere in the country because um, the closing agent rules are different from state to state. Okay.
0: So when somebody is doing a subject to, you recommend closing with an attorney or a title company in your state? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Um, and then I'm assuming you have a course on subject twos or some of these creative mm-hmm. financing? Um, I do. Let me ask you about Dodd Frank, the the mm-hmm. infamous Dodd Frank. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about two things? Um, the seller financing. What are the min- mm-hmm. well? It's state by state, isn't it? Um, but what are the minimum requirements for a number of seller financing deals you can do in a year?
2: Uh, there is no minimum or maximum. Um, it, the federal law Dodd Frank says whenever you're selling to an owner occupant with owner financing, uh, then these are the rules you have to follow. If you're an individual seller, a non-entity, um, then you get one free pass a year. You don't have to really comply with anything. A couple of little rules, but not much.
0: And basically, um, you you got to use a licensed loan originator, right?
2: Well, that that's where it gets a little sticky. Um, under Dodd-Frank, you can do three a year without one, but under some state laws, you can't. Um, so... You have to know what the state rules are under the state SAFE Act, which usually it's three to five deals a year in most states uh, you can do. So it, it mirrors pretty much the federal law. Um, but it doesn't say in the federal law or the state law what is a entity. So if I do an LLC and I do three deals and I form another LLC and I do three deals, is that disqualify me? And, and apparently not.
0: Okay, Not so
2: far. So, as a practical matter, you, you never get there. But I, I, I've i used a guy um, down the hall for me who's a mortgage guy, wasn't too busy. And I said, What do you charge me to originate this loan? And I said, He goes, What do I have to do? I said, Just print me up like about 50 pages of forms that you <laughs> normally do for a loan, and we'll have the guy sign it, and we'll charge him X dollars. And he said, All right, how about 500 bucks? That's fine. But you
0: still have to. <laughs> print up a
2: package. Yeah.
0: But the guy still has to, like, make sure the guy
2: has qualified kind of is qualified, which, yeah, there's, there's no guidelines on what you have to, what the guidelines have to be for, uh, for approval yeah. other than debt to income ratio. And that's not, you know, a problem. I mean, you should want to do that. Yeah. You don't want to take someone whose debt to income ratio is 65. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're not going to pay.
0: Sure.
2: Um, so, so, I mean, I always did, you know, 33% DTI. They uh, the federal law says you can do up to I think it's forty three percent, and that's way too lax in my opinion. Interesting. So I, I don't think the Dodd Frank is it's annoying, but it's not a it's not a hindrance. And it, does Dodd Frank have any credit score minimum requirements? Nope. Yeah. You're supposed to. There's eight factors you must consider, and as long as you consider them. You show it. You have a file with a copy of their credit report, a copy of their W two, copy of their tax return, their you know their um, employment status, their bank records. You know, you just you know, it's not perfect. Uh You just got to show that you made a good faith attempt at it.
0: Okay. Now, Bill, could you talk a briefly about this whole brokering without a license issue? It's been kind of mm-hmm. rearing its ugly head, I think, more prominently yeah. in the last year or two. Is that right?
2: I think there's, yeah, there's been some anecdotal evidence here and there of people flipping out that you need a license to wholesale houses because this happened to this guy and this happened to this guy. And every time that happens, I'll, you know, I'll talk to that person and there's three things they didn't mention to you. Oh, really? <laughs> so like, uh, well, I, I had a realtor jacket on a yellow one and, uh, you know, I just kind <laughs> pretend pretended I was one, you know, and I forgot to mention that little detail, but generally, you know, putting, like say, putting a property under contract and then assigning your contract, that's perfectly legal in all states that because you're selling what you own almost every state State has a law that says what is a broker and it usually has a long list of things that involve brokering if you read it you're like holy crap everything here is is, requires a license but there's two words in front of the whole list that you got to read it says for another yeah if you do the following for another so if you put a property under contract in your own name or company you're doing it for yourself and that's what uh, allows you to do it the, what's
0: frustrating, Bill, is you, know, you could argue that until you're blue in the face, though. But mm-hmm. when you're sitting fr- in front of a real estate commission that's made up of 12 mm-hmm. people and 11 of them are licensed agents... Mm-hmm. it's hard to win that argument, isn't it?
2: Well, the first thing is this is how they're going to find out. They're going to find out or make it or make it stink when some realtor complains. And that means don't screw any realtors in the transaction, and you're not going to get a complaint against you. Uh-huh. But that's where it usually happens. There's is, is a realtor, someone steps on the sign, tries to screw the realtor out of the commission, which you shouldn't. You can pay a realtor commission and do a wholesale. That's perfectly fine. Uh, and then the, the realtor complains that I think what they're doing requires a license. And you know people people twist, you know, little bits and pieces to try to make deals work and that's where it becomes sticky.
0: Do you teach or think that, you know, you should maybe advertise the contract instead of the house or have
2: you I don't think that really matters. Uh, it it's it, the this, the important thing is 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 what you represent. To the parties. So, if you're dealing with a seller, uh, my contract specifically says that I may not close. I may assign this to someone else for a profit. I put it right in there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with disclosing. And then when I assign it to the unbuyer, who's usually an investor. Uh, then it's no problem. Where people get tripped up is they, they, they try to put a contract on a property from a seller who's an individual, and then they try to wholesale it to an end user who's going to live in it who's also an unsophisticated individual. Mm-hmm. And that's where it blows up because they'll do something like, well, I have a contract with seller, and I can't assign it to buyer because his lender won't allow it, so I'm going to tear up my contract with seller and draft a new one between seller and buyer. That's brokering. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's brokering. So those are usually the little details that you don't hear about when you know people complain. Hey, I did nothing wrong.
0: Interesting. Um, I, I have a, a question for you, Bill, on a sandwich lease option strategy um, mm-hmm. with the whole FHA ninety-day seasoning issues. When right. you are when you have a, the A to B lease option contract and you right. sublease it in a B to C. Um, what are some of the, I know a couple ways to do this, but I'm curious to see how you do it,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: where you can, um, double close. There's
2: three ways. Yeah. There's three ways to do it. Uh, one is you go back to the seller. First of all, my contract says my tenant has to give me 90 days notice to exercise. Okay. So that gives me the time to go back to the seller and explain to him, you know, the the situation where I have to be entitled for 90 days. So you're going to deed it over to me and then, you know, I'll close it with my tenant, and uh, you'll be done. And, and most of the time, the seller's perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Um, if that's not an option, uh, there's always a short-term hard money loan, like just a three-month hard money loan. Um, and if that doesn't work, I have a technique which is takes too long to explain, but it's basically called a reverse assignment. Um so you're assigning it back to the seller and then the seller closes with the buyer and you get paid but it's not the same as the scenario i just described where the idiot you know prepares a contract between the owner and the tenant. Right, it's you know, like a release
1: of contract essentially,
2: right? Ah, now you know so it's a, it's a combination of a release of contract uh and assignment of your contract with the tenant to the seller in in exchange for your you know your profit as a fee. Right? right. Couldn't you just? I know some people. Some people would probably just went, "What the hell did he just say?" <laughs> <laughs> That's okay.
0: Um, and well, first of all, it doesn't have to be an FHA loan.
2: No, no, it doesn't. But it, it's typical if you're dealing in a low end tenant buyer, it's going to be a.
0: Sure, those are going to be an FHA loan. Maybe those are the easiest to get. Um, but can't you just keep it as simple as maybe and. Maybe this is what you're talking about already, but like just recording your option or uh-huh. um, do, do a new contract between the seller and the buyer, mm-hmm. and you record your option or record a lien against the property for whatever your profit would have been, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then um, just get paid as a release of the option, or I've seen it called a revocation of option, on the HUD.
2: Um, that's a little... Too involved, I think. Uh, um, what I explained earlier, where you where you just basically reverse assign it and then put a deed of trust or mortgage on the property, yeah, yeah. so you're just paid off on line five hundred four. Five hundred five is just a a release of lien. Nice. Okay. That's simple enough. But most of the time, I I have to say that the seller is more than willing to cooperate because they don't want the house back. Sure. So if I just say, "Listen, you got to deed it over to me because the buyer that I put in there, uh, his lender wants me in for 90 days." I, I'm truthful right from the beginning. I'm going to put someone in there. I'm going to buy it from you and sell it to them for a profit. Nice. And unless their name is Bernie Sanders, why should they care?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's one of the reasons why I like lease options better than subject tos. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a? Do, do you ever look at that as? Either or or both and or when do you do a lease option versus a subject to?
2: I'll do a sandwich lease option if I'm uncertain about the future of the market because I don't want to be tied into it. Okay. So I'll do a two to three year one that's renewable that if it doesn't work out, I can walk away from after the term. Hmm, interesting. But in most cases, it's if, if, if I think the market's good, I'll, I'll just get the deed. Cuz it gives me more options on the back end. I could lease option it, I could rent it, I could fix and sell it, I could wrap it. You, you only can do basically one thing on a on a sandwich lease option, and that's sublet it to the tenant with an option. Interesting. Yeah. Do you
0: think though if something goes bad and the market does go bad or you want to get out of the deal, isn't it harder to get out of a subject to maybe? Than a lease option? Not
2: the, way, not, not the way my contract is written. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the way my contract is written. If I, And any time I'm unhappy, I could deed it back. And okay. that's the end of it.
0: Bill, how can people get your contracts, your stuff? You've, you have a lot of different courses, a lot of good free content on mm-hmm. your website. Uh, where can mm-hmm. people go to get more information about you and, and get in touch with you?
2: Uh, the infamous website, LegalWiz.com dot com. That's L E G A L W I Z. Legal wow. I got I got that in two thousand no, no, in nineteen ninety six I bought that website. Wow. Uh, and it's a funny side story to that. In around two thousand one Legal Zoom started using that trademark, Legal Wiz. Really? Oh, and yeah, and I, I gave them a cease and desist, and they said, "What are you going to do about it?" <laughs> and then, so, oh, uh, you'll see what I'll do about it. So I assume in federal court, and I get a call from uh, Shapiro, and, and I'm like, "He's like, uh, he's like, this is Bob Shapiro." I said, "Shapiro, Shapiro, will you have my bar <laughs> mitzvah?" <laughs> uh, you don't get a wise ass with me. You know who it is, and, and he, he's like I got a team of lawyers and we'll paper you to death and they didn't and so I can't tell you how much they settled for but we did settle. Wow. <laughs> that is So but they funny. offered me stock instead of money and I go like this is going nowhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Silly me. Wow. So this looks good. You've got a section on real estate investing, one on business consulting, uh-huh. asset protection and self-directed IRAs. Almost everything we talked about here.
2: Yep, pretty much everything. I've got over 120 free articles on there, um, forums you can download, free videos, all kinds of great stuff.
0: You also have a podcast. Uh, talk about that. I do.
2: Uh, well, it's like this, except it's not as good. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> it's, it's called so, um, the Legal Whiz Podcast, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I just started pretty recently. I, I, when someone said to me, you know, you really ought to do podcasting, I'm like, podcasting? Isn't that someone people used to do like 20 years ago with their eye, eye something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I never realized people really do listen to this stuff. So I checked it out and we started doing it, and the results have been fantastic.
0: You have some books
2: on Amazon. I'm looking
0: here. You got like I do. four or five of them, don't you?
2: Yeah, I got a new one coming out in January.
0: What, uh, yeah, we what
2: just got the final proof on. It's called The Business of Flipping Properties. I was trying to get to people who are looking at a business to start, hmm. not just real estate investors. Interesting. So we wrote it from a business angle, how to run a business call of flipping properties, not just as an investment.
0: Nice. Yeah, the, we'll uh, it does. I have your book on my shelf, Financing Secrets of a Millionaire Real Estate Investor. I have mm-hmm. not read it. <laughs> Is that a good you book should. still?
2: Is it a good book? Yeah, that's an excellent book. It's one of my favorites. It's all about creative finance and, and funny, someone told me when they saw that movie, um what was the one about the, the they did about the market crash a few months ago? What's the name of that movie? Oh, the big the big The, the Big Short. Big. No. The Big Short, right? Uh, um, I didn't see it, but someone told me that they were they were interviewing someone, and in the back on their shelf, they saw my book.
0: Oh, oh. really?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Well, that's that a badge cool. of honor.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hopefully. Um, yeah, you wrote that book. Looks like in two thousand three.
2: Yeah, I did, and and you know some of it has changed. Obviously, some of the financing rules that I cover in there, but the creative stuff is very current.
0: Okay. Good. Um and so you also um we're going to be doing a, a webinar with you hopefully real soon Bill. I think we mm-hmm. have it already on our calendar. Um mm-hmm. so I'm looking to I'm looking forward to talking with you more about some of your materials. Um guys, I highly highly recommend Bill Bronchick's. Check out his stuff. I've looked at tons of your videos and learned a lot from from you Bill over the years and I want to thank you for uh standing and defending truth and liberty. For the small (laughs) private investor, you know, Um, because it's a scary world out there.
2: It is. It is. And, you know, there's so much misinformation going around on the Internet and talking to so-called real estate professionals will tell you it's illegal. You can't do that. There's, you know, that's that's immoral. It's unethical. It's whatever. And that's that's because most of them are just idiots. Yeah. (laughs) Uninformed is a nice way to put it.
0: There was one guy I heard talking about that. He used to call it uh, uh, illegal,
2: immoral, and fattening. <laughs> All my stuff is fat-free, no GMOs. <laughs> oh, wow. Good, good. good. <laughs> and uh, gluten-free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good, good. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it so much. Again, guys, go to, legal, I it. Go to LegalWiz.com, L-E-G-A-L-W-I-Z.com. And check that out. Get some good information from Mr. Bill. Um, thanks again, Bill. I sure appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. See you guys. Bye bye. <music>